But we are in the middle of a series called Creatures of Habit. Uh, during the beginning of the year, we all make our New Year's resolutions and try to instill in ourselves new habits. We're in, enjoying enjoying this series. What a great time last week it was and look forward to sharing this week. But I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, however you get them, electronically or paper form, go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 4. The book of Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to begin at verse 26. Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 26. Hear the word of the Lord. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. It's the word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. I want to start by telling you a little story this morning of, of a, a young woman who was raised in, an, in a uh, fairly well-to-do family. They didn't have a ton of needs um, that weren't met. Uh, she went through her life fairly normally. Um, she grew up and she married a little bit young for our day and age, but this was quite a while ago. Uh, it wasn't so young back then. Uh, her husband was a truck driver and uh, went out and did those things. She, they had kids uh, kind of quick uh, right away and uh, wound up with uh, three kids, I believe it was, and uh, was pregnant with a fourth when her husband was killed in a tragic trucking accident. I think for many of us that would spur uh, a lot of grief, a lot of hurt, a lot of woundedness. Uh, this young woman didn't deal with this uh, in the greatest way. Uh, she did go on and get some education. She worked as a, as a nurse. But in her grief and in those things, she began to become addicted to the medications that were being prescribed. And there began to be a change in her behavior at home. And the kids began to notice the emotional abuse, the sometimes physical abuse the abuse that came verbally from her lips to them. And this went on as a pattern over and over and over again. And she began to see that her kids slowly but surely began as soon as they graduated to try and get as far away from home as possible. She continued that pattern for most of her life until she was in her 60s. And because she had had used these over-the-counter medications, not the way the doctors prescribed them, but became addicted to them, by the time she was 60, she was in her 60s, she was finding herself needing to be placed in a nursing home. The doctor would say she had the body of an 80-year-old. And now it was up 
to one of her daughters who had witnessed the abuse, who had seen the abuse, who had experienced the abuse, who had experienced the violence to care for the one who had created the chaos. I don't know about you, but that would be a hard place to be. Because I think my own anger would want to dictate how or how little I cared for that one who had done so much damage. Today we are, we are entering in to look at this second habit. Thank you. So many of you have talked about how last week when we talked about fear as a bad habit, really, uh, that connected. The Holy Spirit used that to connect with you. Had one of you even stopped me today to say, man, that, the journal and the, the fear shield was so helpful. And, uh, and I was able to do some of those exercises. Good. That's what we're wanting. We're wanting to see new habits ingrained into us to let go of some of the old habits. And so we saw that resolutions presuppose that a bad habit has taken hold. And this is the time of year when we begin to deal with those things. We can overcome these bad habits by acknowledging them. We have to say what they are. We have to name it and then uh, begin to look at it. Because if we think everything's right, there's not going to be any change. So we need to acknowledge the habit, whatever it is. And then we need to replace the bad habit with good habits that will get us moving in healthy directions or spiritually speaking, in holy directions or into the, into the way of right relationship with God and others and a proper relationship with ourselves. And then we need a good amount of both discipline and grace. We tend to fall or skew on one side of that or the other. We're either so disciplined that if we fail once, we, uh, we just give up entirely, or we're so gracious we never get started. But we need both discipline and grace from God and with ourselves. And that's going to continue uh, through this series. We'll begin to see that this is what we're trying to call you to do. Acknowledge the habit if you have it. There's no shame in doing that. You are here because you want to see change. Uh, we're going to then uh, look at some good habits to replace it with. And we're going to go at this with some discipline and grace. I think that's going to be a good way to start 2020. So bad habit number one was fear. I don't know if you caught it in our scripture today, but it should be no surprise that bad habit number two is anger. And who represents it better than the Hulk, right? Yeah. Now, as we get into this, these are things I want to encourage you to remember. We are not just looking at this as an individual anger. I am an angry individual. But we're trying to look at this corporately. These are habits that we, that I feel that God has helped me to understand. We need to see some change in as a church together. There is something that God is calling us to when it comes to anger. So we need to pause for a moment and I want us to look at anger. Anger in itself is not bad. Do you know that? We tend to see anger as a negative emotion. We try to avoid it, squash it, push it down. We don't like it when we see it. Um, but anger in itself is not bad. It is a natural reaction. And I want you to focus on that word reaction. It's a reaction to something. And it is something that your brain just does when certain things appear. And because it's a reaction, that's why psychologists will say that anger is actually a secondary emotion. That means that it follows something 
that takes place. So the three big ones that it really follows, one of them is fear. So it's pretty interesting that this one, this talk follows our last talk on fear. When we are fearful, we often can have an angry reaction. How many of you have watched an America's Funniest Home video where somebody jumps out of a closet to scare somebody and instead of the wah, it's the boom. <laughs> yeah. That's the natural anger response. Some of us have the, the flight of, 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 of fear. Some of us have the rage of fear. And we go at it. It follows fear, but it also follows hurt. If someone has ever broken your heart at some point in the grief process is anger. How could they do that? How could they wound me that deeply? How could they take advantage of me? And the anger begins to, to come forward. Finally, it, it also follows insult. Not just the betrayal of, of a hurt or a broken relationship, but that insult, which psychologists would say is, is really an ego wound. They took you down a notch. They didn't, uh, they didn't appreciate your knowledge or your wisdom or that you've been doing this all of your life. They, they, they really you know, just kind of slighted you. Is it, is it fade or shade? I can't remember. They threw shade at you? Is that, is that how you say it nowadays? need to look at young people. Is that it? Yeah? Okay. They did that and it wounded you and, and you feel small and so what you want to become is Hulk and you want to be big and strong and you want to put them in their place. But it's always secondary to these, these experiences that take place that anger begins to come out. Now, I want to be clear. It is not anger that is sin. But it is the behaviors that arise as a result of anger that can become sinful. Okay? They can become sinful. Not every emotion that, that comes out of that reaction to fear or wound is a sin or is a negative thing. Not all anger or even responses, behavior responses out of anger are sinful. But it is a slippery slope. The Hulk... Sometimes can do a lot of good, but sometimes he can do a lot of smash, can he? And this is, this is what anger looks like when we begin to see this. So when, and especially when those behaviors are fostered, when they're stoked up, you just keep reliving it over and over again. Oh, if only I'd said that. I should have said this. When, when it's clung to, when you intentionally hold on to that, it is detrimental to our relationships and it is detrimental to our witness for Jesus Christ. That's where it begins to morph over into what Paul would call sin. So I want us to begin to look at this because it was a huge concern for Paul. When he began to write, he spent a lot of verses. I know it looked like he talked about a lot of things in these verses that we looked at, but every single one of them was about anger. And I'm going to show you that here in just a second. But I want you to understand the cultural background of Ephesus and where Paul was speaking into. They, I've been reading this mammoth book on uh, the New Testament in its time. It's about history and the culture of, of that time. And uh, anger was a major daily factor in culture of that day. It was an honor-based society. 
So you did certain things uh, that were honorable, and if you wanted to motivate somebody to, to do the right thing, you talked with them about what was honorable, you made sure. And if they did the wrong thing, you heaped a lot of shame on them. And that was supposed to be the boundary to keep them in line. And this went on and on. This got a little crazy because there were like ten different levels of society, from the emperor down to you know the senate and the council and, and some politicians, and then another level with an entirely different set of what was honorable and dishonorable uh, when you get down to like pure, you know, the uh, governors and, and those kinds of things. And then another level and another whole system of honor for soldiers and those who were in charge of those kinds. And then another level when you get to quality merchants and shipmen. And then you get down all the way down to slaves. And each one had its levels and things that were honorable to do and things that were dishonorable to avoid. And you had to know what they were, especially if you began to speak to someone who was in a different level. Are you angry already? I mean, it it was just, uh, I got to remember this. I got to do this. And on top of that, there was a lot of fear because anyone, anyone could become a slave. It wasn't just a certain class of people. It wasn't just a certain race of people. Anyone could become a slave. You could be, you know, way up in the merchant class. But if your ship takes a hard turn and wrecks and crashes and loses all its cargo... And you can't pay all of that back and repair your ship. You begin to repair it by becoming a slave to those. Do you see where fear begins to come in here? And fear causes some what? Can bring anger to the surface. On top of all that, the peace was kept with brute force. You cross a soldier and you'll walk away with no arm. Or a punch in the face. This is how society operated. And there was a ton of anger. Now, before we go too far, um, and and realizing that anger, you know, and judging them for angry behaviors being everywhere, are we any different? Well, maybe maybe you're not likely uh, to become a slave if you declare bankruptcy. But boy, is success important. And when somebody else is is coming at your success or, or taking away some of what you think that you need, then anger begins to come out. We talked last week about how much time the average American spends on social media. I don't know why they call it Facebook. They ought to call it Face Slap. Because like 50% of the stuff on there is just about taking somebody else down. And you know what? I've been on Facebook for like a decade I have yet to see one time where somebody types, thank you for your rant. I have changed my mind. I now believe exactly like you believe. No. It usually ends up in a lot of angry typing. And folks, just like I said last week, sometimes because fear is all around in our culture, it shows up in the church. With anger, it is no different. Because we live in such a fear-driven society, it is natural that that expresses itself often in anger. And if we are not aware of this, we can become angry. 
and begin some of those behaviors that when they're fostered and stoked and clung to are detrimental to relationships and detrimental to our witness for the one we claim to love and worship and serve. So what do we do? Well, let's look at what Paul does. Paul jumps right in. He just starts reminding and instructing. If you want to read all of uh, Ephesians, you're welcome to it. In the first three chapters, Paul retells the gospel story or the result of the gospel story. Because of Jesus, his favorite phrase in Ephesians is, In Christ. And he talks about what God has done in Christ. And God has formed a new family where you can experience forgiveness and grace. And, and then he begins to use all these metaphors. He begins to tell them, you were dead in sin, but now you're alive as new human beings. You once had no purposes because you were dead in sin. Now God gives you some incredible purposes. You were once alienated from the people of God and the family of God, but now you're welcomed in. And then he gets to chapter 4, and he connects the two with a therefore. And I remember, my professor, one thing I I remember. He said, whenever you see a therefore, you want to see what the therefore is there for. Okay? You'll catch it later. He says, because of all of that, here here is the way that we operate as the body of Christ. Where Jesus is the head and we, we get to live out like Him in the world. This is what we do. This is who we are. And He wants to jump really quickly and we're gonna, there's a ton of stuff there that, that you can read, but we're talking about anger today. And so He comes down and He lets them know basically that everything must change because of Jesus. Jesus changed everything. He came and lived in a different way. He, he had this relationship with God that looked different from what was going on in the Judaism of His day. It was connected. It was powerful and authoritative. And so we can't live the same way if we are now in the body of Christ. We can't live the same way as culture. He doesn't set up just a, we must abstain from certain things and going certain places. He says that in other in other places. But he says, this is so radical what Jesus has done, what God has done in Christ, that we must abstain from certain attitudes that we see in our surrounding culture. Everything must change, people. And then he gets right into anger. He says in verse 26, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. I want you to see this. Because we've been talking about how anger itself is not a sin. That be angry. It's again in the imperative tense. That means it's a command. Be angry. There are things in this world to be angry about. There is injustice. There are young women and boys who are being sold into slavery. We should be angry about that. There are people enslaved to uh, chemicals. There are people enslaved to other people still in this world. We ought to be angry about that. But he says, do not sin. Don't stoke it. Don't foster it. Don't cling to it. But anger becomes that 
kind of intestinal fortitude that sometimes gives you the impetus to go and make that change and see what happens. Anger can push for a needed change. Probably in our lifetime, the one person who embodies this the most is Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In fact, his quote here says, I'll read it for you because it's kind of small. The supreme task is to organize and unite people so that their anger becomes a transforming force not just oh just be happy and let everything happen to you but no you can unite this and when there's something that is wrong anger can be a good motivator to help if it's united and focused in the right direction to become a transforming force so you see how this balance plays out we have to we have to Trust that God is going to help us. And we need each other to begin to say, is this a transforming force or are we destroying things? Tearing things down by our anger. So let's look. We said that if you see a bad habit, we have to acknowledge it. Paul helps us with that. He gets really, really specific. I know we use the word anger. He uses that word anger over and over and over again here. But I want you to know that he uses a different word for anger here. He says, don't let the sun go down on your perogamas. I know you want to say that, but uh, it's a tongue twister, so I'm not going to, and I want to keep moving. But it's not just anger. It's exasperation. It is the irritation. So you may, you may have had the explosion with your spouse because of something they said or did that wounded you, that insulted you, that hurt you, or that caused you to be afraid. And you've had your words. This word means, you know, when you're just still stewing over it? Just still irritated? How could he do that? Or that person who put that thing on Facebook. How could, mm, ah, oh. Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you're like that. Now, I just want you to know, I, I found this in counseling. If the sun's already down, that doesn't give you 24 more hours. Okay? Just want you to know that. Paul's using a, what's called a metaphor. And it means take care of it as quickly as possible. We'll talk about how that, that comes about here in a second. But exasperation. Then he gets to stealing. And it seems like, okay, he's talking about anger. And now he's talking about stealing. What's this all about? Well, back in Paul's day and age, because of all those levels and classes, and because there was so much to try and figure out to make your way up, sometimes people in their anger at the system could begin to just take things from other people, thinking they'll not miss it, it's not theirs to begin with, I deserve this, I need this, and out of anger they would steal those things. In fact, the whole book of Philemon is Paul sending back a slave who stole something from his master. And saying, you guys are both followers of Christ. Let's work this out differently. This is a good example of what Paul, why Paul includes stealing when he's talking about anger. He reinforces in verse 28 by saying basically that Christians should use their hands for giving, not for taking. You should, you should use your own hands, he says, to make something so that you might have something to give to those who are in need. That's important. He goes on and says, no gossip, unwholesome speech. That's speech that's used in anger. Frustration at people can lead to damaging words. And when we damage that person with our words, 
it can lead us down the path of sin. And he says Christians are to use words for building up, not tearing down. We are people who edify. We, we shore up. We encourage. We, are, we should be the ones who are encouraging people, giving hope, not tearing down. Has Paul stepped on your toes yet? He has mine. Then he gets even more specific. I, we're not going to say all these words, but I, I want you to, to see how many different words he uses to make sure that you know every single thing that could be a behavior that is driven by anger. So he says, picria, get rid of it. And when he says get rid of it, it's, it's a, the word there actually means it's like picking up a stone and throwing it as far away from you as possible. That's what he means by getting rid of. He says, get rid of picria. That's bitterness. I think of it this way. You know, it's, it's that, that picking. You know, just picking at you. It's just picking and picking and picking. It just makes you bitter. That attitude. He says, get rid of thumos. That's translated in your English Bible as rage. But I love that it really means boiling up and boiling over. I think of uh, thumos as thermos. You put boiling liquid in there and you just kind of keep it on the inside, right? And sometimes it's so hot and you fill it too full, it's hard to get that thermos open, isn't it? And when you do, it's like, half your stuff goes flying everywhere. Thumos, get rid of that. Orge, it's an agitation of the soul. That anger, bitterness, that boiling over becomes your very disposition. How many of you have ever encountered just someone that day in and day out they just felt angry? Like you just wanted to stay out of the way. You've been there. Paul says get rid of that. Crow gay, shouting against. I just think of crows calling. I won't do it because it will sound strange on the podcast. He's just shouting against. They're just calling, just going against each other. Blasphemia, slander towards another person. To slander their name. And finally, he just sums it all up by saying, get rid of kakia. A desire to injure. It's that thing that says, if there were no laws, and no one was watching, and I could get away with it, I'd deck that dude. It's that hidden inside desire that when stoked and clung to and grabbed onto by an individual or a group damages our witness for Jesus Christ. Then he gets even more specific. He says these behaviors, when they're not gotten rid of, when they're not thrown out, they lupeo, they grieve. They deeply wound the Holy Spirit and reminds them that they were sealed with the Holy Spirit. I want you to, I want you to understand what this means. It means that the Holy Spirit goes with you whatever behavior is being driven by anger. And it is wounding. Paul said it grieves. It's that grief and pain, this word is often used in childbirth in ancient Greek. 
It is that this hurts and this is painful, but something better could be on the way. There is something more that this individual could be doing than wasting their time stewing with anger. And it grieves and it hurts because you know the possibilities of what could come from this. And you're hoping for the best. When you are sealed with something, what that means is when there's a letter. How many of you have ever watched one of those shows that they write a letter, you know, usually with some big bird feather. And then they blow on it. They roll it up. And they do what? They melt some wax and put it over. And usually they have a big ring and they put it in there. What that means is that that seal means it came from that person. It is mine. What Paul is saying here, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. It means you are God's. You are God's love letter. And He has imprinted His Spirit into you. You have a mission. You have a calling. And when we don't see those other things chucked away from us, it begins to be damaging to that calling, to that letter that you were called to be. You are God's love letter to society. You are called to that. I am called to that. So, we then say we want to replace those bad habits with good habits. So here's what we do. Paul's, Paul tells them is to be kind and compassionate. I love the word compassionate in Greek. It is the word esplognoi. That's what I'm going to have you say because it's just fun to say. Ready? It's esplognoi. Ready? One, two, three. Esplognoi. Yes. You want to say it again, don't you? It's just fun. One, two, three. Esplognoi. It literally means your splankna is your guts. And so, esplognoi is to have strong guts. I know that sounds strange for a word like compassion because we think, oh, tears and oh, let me help you and, you know, those kinds of things. But there is a strong in the gut feeling that something wrong has happened. And I, with compassion, with love and grace, can take the blow and still react in a way that honors Christ, in a way that Christ showed us that love. And took the blow on our behalf. Be kind. Did you know? I know it's hard, but I just feel like sometimes we need to be reminded. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is kindness. Christians ought to be known as the kindest people around. Sometimes, I believe, because of the drivenness of anger, the stoking it and the grasping onto it, That idea of Christians as kind is beginning to fade into history. Could we be a church that God resurrects that in? Kindness is what we are called to. Compassionate behavior is what we are called to. And it is all summed up in the ability to forgive one another. In other words, your God's love letter to society, it begins, it is shown by your ability to forgive the one who has wounded you. This is Paul's idea. And if you're like me, when you're reading this, you're saying, that's not easy. It's not. It's going to require some things of you. And it is always, if you're going to follow Christ, it's going to take the help of the Holy Spirit. 
to bring out that kindness, to be compassionate, to let go of the angry behaviors and begin, and we're going to see here in just a second, to look at the primary source of what is driving the anger. That's the only way it will ever be dealt with. Is you have to begin to look at what is driving the anger to begin with. And you have to be disciplined and gracious at the same time. So I want you to explore. I'd like the ushers to come because I told you every week I wanted to give you something. Uh, and so I want to hand these out just to, to folks. This is your journal for the week. I'm glad to hear that some of you used it this week. And uh, that's, I hope this will, will be just as helpful. Sometimes I'm afraid in church we have just said, oh, just ignore it, just give it away, you know, do those things. But I believe that God wants to do the hard work, which is explore with you what the primary sources that are driving the anger and the angry behavior in you in order to not just get rid of the anger, but to heal the fear, heal the woundedness, heal the insult. And that will then begin to allow you, as those are healed, to begin the process of forgiveness. So I want you to take this with you. Because you need to be asking yourselves, you need to sit in a quiet place, and you need to be able to say, what's the primary source of my anger? Is it fear? What am I afraid of? Is it hurt? Where was I hurt? How did they hurt me? Was I insulted? Ask yourself the question, why was I insulted? What did it mean to me? What did it really do to my ego in that wound? And then you need to take time to think and pray. And I'm going to put this on both slides. Be curious. Don't be worried. Don't be angry. Don't, don't worry if God's going to, you know, I don't know, drop the hammer. God is more concerned about your mental well-being than you could ever be. He gave His Son so that you could be righteous and holy, meaning in right relationship with God and with others and with yourself, and you could live with wholeness and healthiness in your life. So be curious about these things. Invite God into this process. Next, the next question, how am I feeding it? How am I feeding those angry behaviors? Keeping that fear stoked. Keeping that hurt going. Keeping that insult alive. How am I doing that? If you wonder if you do that, ask your family. They will tell you. Unless they're afraid of you. And if they're afraid of you, ask your friends. And if you're really wondering if you are and no one will tell you, go ask a therapist. I mean that, and I don't say that just because I am one. I want you to know I spend a lot of time with a therapist, being a client. Because I want to be healthy. I believe God wants us to be healthy. And a good counselor can be a good place to be curious and explore some of these things. And last, but certainly not least, ask God. Ask God where these things are going on. And then lastly, what steps will I take this year to let go of angry behavior? For some of you, it might be reading the Psalms. Did you know there's a lot of anger in the Psalms? Like about one-third of them are laments. And some of them are really angry. Like, God, where are you? Show up. I'm so mad at what they did to us. This is, this is in the Bible, I'm, I'm telling you. 
May their babies' heads be smashed against the rocks. You want to talk about anger? Think that's anger? Yeah. They hurt me so deeply. God is the only one who is capable of holding your anger and beginning to bring the healing process for you. So will you do that? Will you take this? We begin to see what God does with this as you pray and journal over the week. Well, I started with a story. Some of you are wondering how it ends. The daughter who had witnessed had mom moved in close into a nursing home. And somewhere along the line, through God's help, maybe with some of the very things we're talking about right here, She began to address some of her woundedness with God. Some of her injuries and hurts with God. Some of her fear. And she began to see that God in Christ had forgiven her. And she was called to do the same. She went, I believe, almost daily to care This angry mom was still angry. She did all kinds of things in the care that were just agitating and annoying and ramped up and knife in in the back and twisted a little bit. I won't go into all of those things. But she kept taking her anger and her fear and her wounds to God. She began to say, Christ has changed everything. So he has to take my attitudes, have to change too. They can't be like the surrounding culture who would just leave her there and let the nurses do what they have to do. I have to go. And after quite a few years, that mom in a moment of sanity asked, why are you doing this? And she was able to say, because of what God has done. And in so many words, she led her mom into the loving arms of Jesus. You want to talk about a work that needs the help of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own, folks. We need the Holy Spirit and we need each other to mirror this to us. It's a true story. It's a true story. What's yours? Will you, with discipline and grace, begin to see some of these things change? Folks, our church needs it. We've been around almost a hundred years now. That's a lot of time to build up a lot of picking and thermos boiling. And Can 2020 be the year where at some point, maybe not today, you walk across the aisle somewhere and say, I'm hurt. I'm sorry if I've hurt you. But I want to forgive. I want to be kind. I want to be compassionate. This is what we are called to. Will 2020 be your year? Let's pray. Father, The truth is, we acknowledge that we live in an angry culture. 
And unfortunately, we as the church are beginning to be known for some of those same behaviors. We stoke it. We cling to it. We heap more fuel on the fire. So God, for the sake of your son Jesus' name, have mercy on us and forgive us. Help us to realize that because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and His resurrection, everything has changed. And we have to see even our attitudes be different from those in our surrounding culture. And today, Paul has reminded us that one of those things we have to be different about is is anger and all the various forms that it takes. So help us Lead us to be curious about what's going on in our life, the fears, the wounds, the insults that we have. And help us to sit with you or another person that can help us to begin to see the detrimental effects that it's having on our relationships and and on our witness about you. God, I pray this week for my brothers and sisters and myself that we would spend some quality time with you being curious if these behaviors need to be thrown as far away from us as possible. That if the the old still needs to be taken off like like old rotting clothes and, and new garments need to be put on in order to live in the kingdom as your witnesses. Help us today, Father. We know that Jesus is a faithful guide and He gave us the Spirit to comfort us. So help us not to be afraid, but to go forth with peace and assurance to express Your kindness and Your compassion, Your strong, having strong guts to go and be compassionate and to forgive. This is Your call. This is how we will be your sealed love letter to our society. Help us to go in your name. For we love you, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive the final blessing? And now, may you be curious. Because God is faithful. May you explore what He longs to do with your angry behaviors in 2020. May you experience the healing of our God. Healing of your fears with peace. Healing of your wounds with ointment and care. Healing of your insults with assurance of His love. And I pray that 2020 will be the year that we see forgiveness, compassion, and kindness reign in our church and out into our world. I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.